0: Sometimes words jump out of you at the Bible that you've never really noticed, haven't you? I mean, I don't think it's very nice to say about somebody and he as good as dead. You I hope no one ever writes that about me. (laughs) It's um, a chapter, it's an interesting chapter in Hebrews. I actually find it a boring chapter to read because it seems to go on by faith, by faith. But obviously the underlying thoughts and... Implications of the chapter are very exciting and um, important. So we're just going to look at this Hebrews chapter this morning. And and if you've looked at the notice sheet, uh, the subject I've given it is taking risks. Taking risks. And and taking risks and, and having faith are really one in the same. And to take risks, you have to have faith that it will work. Have faith that it will work. And we're going to look at some of these things this morning. As I came in to worship this morning, I was asked one of the questions, which you don't, you're not normally asked. You, you know, is it going to be a long service? And I was going to say, Well, no, not really. <laughs> and the answer was, Well, I hope it's going to be a long service. And I thought, Oh, that's that's good. But then the reason was we've got to go somewhere else after lunch, and we don't want a too big a gap between the morning service and going to this event after lunch. So, if you think I'm putting a few extra words in, it's because I've been asked to make it longer this morning, you see. In the church, we tend to think of faith as, well, something only we own. But everyone has faith. You see, faith is the heart of life. You see your doctor, and it may be a doctor whose name you cannot pronounce. He gives you a prescription which really means nothing to you, and in the past you couldn't read anyway. You take it to the chemist, and perhaps you've never seen that chemist before. He gives you your medication, and you do not understand it. And yet you take it. Well, that's faith. That's faith. And we tend not to think of these things as faith. We just go on in our our daily life. In fact, you can't get through a single day without living by faith. And we looked at some of those things with the children, didn't we, this morning. You know, when you turn on a light switch, you put your faith in the electrical wiring. When you go on a bus, you have faith in the driver and the mechanic who maintained it. Well, of course, sometimes your faith can be misplaced because faith in that situation is only as valuable as the object of that faith. A number of people, and I need to thank those people, have been doing quite a lot of work here this week. And one of the things was some work on this church floor. It required the whole floor being sanded. You may not have noticed it, but you probably smelt it as you come in. And uh, we went to HSS to hire a big machine. only took two of us, and we could just about lift it. Uh, and that machine was going to sand the whole floor for us. And we had faith that that would be the case. And we set off at about half past eight. And, and by half past nine, we were standing here with the big lumper machine here and another piece over here that had fallen off from somewhere. Now, being a mechanical type's... We tried to put it back on, but realised we couldn't do that without stripping the machine down. And we had faith that that machine would do the job, and it didn't. We had faith in HSS, and they let us down. But we contacted them, and they said, we'll have another machine to you by 2 o'clock. And at 10 to 2, that machine arrived. It came off the lorry. They put the the old one on the lorry. And we were ready. We plugged it in, and we switched it on. Now, we had faith that this second machine would do the floor, but as we switched it on, nothing happened. <laughs> and by that time, we were beginning to lose faith in HSS and their equipment at that stage. But we, we continued. We did have faith. We, we had faith in the fact that if we bashed this machine up and down, it actually started. So we bashed it up and down, and it wasn't light at all. And then we, we, we weren't... Didn't have that much faith that it would start again next time we tried. So when we changed over from one person <laughs> using it to the other, we tried to sort of hand over, holding the switches in the on position, so that it kept going. But you see, we hadn't even planned that into our day's work. We had faith that the machine that came, which was a brand new one as it happened, uh, you know, would do the job. And, and things you've done this week, you've had faith that what you're doing, what you're going to use, what people have told you will happen, well, it, it will happen. Well, you know, putting faith in a particular object is in a sense true of spiritual faith. You see, Buddhas have faith; Buddhists have faith in Buddha. Muslims trust Allah. Hindus believe in various gods, thousands of gods actually, And most religious people put faith in their ability to keep the rules, to be good enough, to satisfy their God. And even when people claim no religion at all, they still live by faith. Every human puts faith in something. But of course, in the church, in the Christian faith, faith does have a higher meaning. Biblical faith is on a different plane. Now, faith is, well, according to Hebrews 11, it's quite a big concept that says, now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And the word hope there isn't the sort of hope where I hope it's going to happen. Hope is the assurance we have in our own Christian faith. Being sure of what, if you like, we have, And certain of what we do not see. A.W. Tozer had an interesting explanation of this verse. He said, faith is seeing the invisible, but not the non-existent. And some people think faith is believing in something that's not actually there. Well, biblical faith believes God when he tells us there is a reality, which we cannot see, but it is there. Faith means that we keep our eyes on God, who controls the circumstances. And it's not the circumstances themselves that we need to put our faith in. 2 Corinthians 5 puts it this way. We live by faith, not by sight. And, and that sounds simple enough. Live by faith, not by sight. But for some reason, well, people get all kinds of misconceptions about what faith is. So let's just take a few minutes to look at the What biblical faith is not. Let's start with that. So faith is not a blind leap in the dark. Some people think you need to ignore logic and reason in order to believe in God. The fact is, believing there is no God actually requires an unreasonable kind of faith. I think if atheists and agnostics or the secular humanists put their faith into words, their creed might sound like this. By faith, we believe that the universe evolved from mindless matter, so that the order accidentally emerged from chaos. Of course, they're actually hard-pressed to find any evidence of this statement of faith, and, and scientists consistently show that order does not grow out of chaos, and that well there is a design and if there's a design it does point to a designer hebrews 11:3 is much more plausible as it says by faith we understand that the universe was formed of god's command so that what is seen the universe was was not made out of sorry the seen was not made out of what was visible in other words the universe was made out of something we didn't see by god the designer Perhaps Hebrews 11.3 is more plausible. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed of God's command. But Christian faith is compatible with logic and reason. It is based on historical evidence. It is supported by the biblical record and personal testimony. And I trust by your own experience. D.L. Moody said about faith, I prayed for faith and thought that someday it would come down and strike me like lightning. But faith didn't seem to come. One day I read Romans, and in that I read, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I had, up to this time, closed my Bible and prayed for faith. Now I opened my Bible and began to study. And faith has been growing ever since. Well, another misconception is faith can make God do anything we want. But biblical faith is not the ability to manipulate God. That kind of faith won't last the first major disappointment. Perhaps when a loved one is not healed, something happens at work, doesn't go as you think it should. See, biblical faith doesn't believe that God will do what we say. Biblical faith knows that God will do what he says. By faith, we rest on the promises of God, no matter what happens. Well, another misconception is that faith means knowing all the right facts and learning all the right rules. And faith is not adhering to a list of doctrines. You see, biblical faith, Christian faith, is a relationship with a personal God. Well, they're the negatives. Let's just move on. And Hebrews gives us a whole list of people who put their trust in God. And the Bible, the Bible heroes actually show us the results of faith. That's, that's what this chapter's about, really. It's about the results of their faith. And we have six W's to hang these thoughts on. See, for one thing, faith will always result in heartfelt worship. And Abel is our example in that, as we read through. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man. Abel offered worship in obedience and with a sincere heart. You see, his faith pleased God, and unfortunately, Cain's offering was not pleasing to God. But Abel's honest worship stand as a testimony. Are you or am I drawn to worship? And what do we mean by worship? Are we worshipping God with our heart, mind and soul when we come together? We worship in songs and scripture, readings and sermon. But there are other parts of our worship Offering of our time, ourselves. And money. That's all part of our worship to God. And we need to remember that. So is our faith that sort of worship? Is that where we go as we seek God? Well, the next example in our list of faith heroes is Enoch, a rather obscure character, and perhaps we wonder why he's in the list at all. We don't know a lot about him, but we know it's impressive. Back in Genesis, we're told, Enoch walked with God, then he was no more. You just need to read the last bit of that verse, because God took him away. He was no more, because God took him away. The next W, therefore, is walk. Walking with God, and Hebrews 11.5 elaborates on that. It says, By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. He walked close to God. Now, I don't know about you, but I have to admit that during the week, I don't think of myself walking alongside God or God being alongside me is the right way I suppose I don't know what you do I don't know what you do does our faith cause us to walk so closely with God each day that we really walk together as one do we communicate with him in all we do well this is the kind of faith that pleases God well Enoch was a bit Unknown almost, but the next Bible hero, Noah, is a man whose faith led him to some long, hard work. I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but building an ark is no small task. It took Noah and his three sons over a 100 years. I can't think of anything else actually like that, except perhaps the new HS2 rail link. which which will probably take that long, and some of you know I did work on upgrading the London Underground before I retired, and that's probably going to take about the same amount of time, with more than three people. But it took Noah and the three boys a hundred years. Now that is some project. We read in Hebrews, by faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, and I believe that particular sentence means rain because when you look back in the Old Testament rain is not mentioned at all up to that point in the Bible in holy fear he built an ark to save his family by his faith he condemned the world and became heir to righteousness that comes by faith now most of us won't be asked to build an ark although if I'm passing your house this week and I see a lot of effort going on outside with hammers, saw and bits of wood well I'll ask You see, but God has given every one of us gifts, a work assignment, if you like, for his kingdom. Just want to be clear that we're saved by grace, not by working. But as part of our Christian commitment, as part of being involved in the kingdom, we need to work hard for God. Use the gifts that he's given us. And that is the faith that pleases God. Well, going down this list, the best known of all those is Abraham, called the father of our faith. His life teaches us lots of things about faith, but perhaps the biggest challenge Abraham faced was the faith required him to wait. Abraham waited for a home in the Promised Land. In fact, he spent his entire life living in tents. He waited until he was 100 years old for the son God promised. And all along he waited and waited and waited for the promised Messiah and the eternal city of God. Why does our faith require us to wait? Do we sometimes feel we're stuck in the eternal waiting room? You know, when we've prayed all we can, done all we can, sometimes the greatest proof of our faith is that we simply faith that pleases God will enable us to wait with confidence we know what God has in store for us and we know it will come through in the end we've been looking at Elijah and Elisha on some Sunday evenings in the past and in a reading before Elijah hands over to Elisha it's reckoned that there were ten years between Elisha first laying his cloak on Elisha And the actual handover taking place. And there's many instances in the Bible where waiting is shown as part of the Christian path. Forgive me if you were there on the Sunday evening when I used this story. But we were in Walter Stone's bookshop in Chichester. A while ago I was with my grandson he was about three and a half years old at the time he'd chosen two books and was queuing with two books in one hand and his money in the other hand up to the desk if you know Waterstones in Chichester the, the, the cash desk is right in the middle of the shop, reasonably quiet sort of shop. We were third in the queue and the person at the front had got about a dozen books, all of which he appeared to want to discuss in great detail with the sales assistant the queue was getting longer we stood patiently. And after a while, my grandson spoke out quite loudly. It's a bit slow, granddad, isn't it? <laughs> and that's what probably most of the people in the queue were thinking. See, we all want to get on with things, don't we? In the life of the church, we need to be patient, especially at times like this. Of course we want to minister next week. Well, we might do. Of course we want it to happen. God's got a plan. God's got a program. And God could be telling us to wait. We need to prepare. We need to plan. We need to pray. And dare I say, we need to pray corporately. We need to pray together. God is already preparing someone to come and leave this fellowship in the future. We need to be sure that We're in tune with God's plan. God's time is not our time. Now many of you know that I'm not very good at spelling. You'll notice whenever I do anything up front, I've never got a whiteboard and a pen in my hand. I usually come last in any word games when we play them as a family. And I had a bit of a problem with the last W this morning, but then I realised that many words that I think should start with an R actually start with a W. Wreath, wrist, right, wrench, wrong. I don't know why they decided to stick a W in the front of those words. So our last W is risk. And I honestly can't see any difference between that word and these other words that I've just mentioned. Okay, So W did fit well in the front of that, just to complete my list of W's. See, most people of faith in the Bible take risks, but Noah took a great big risk building this big boat. Those looking on him, making fun of him. Well, if we want to increase our faith, we need to be prepared. For it to be tested, we need to be prepared to step out. Are you prepared to take a risk? Are you prepared to have your Christian faith put on the line and people see? A number of years ago, actually in 1986, I was at a conference up in Birmingham called Acts 86. That's how I know it was in 1986. But it was also based on Acts chapter 8, verse 6. And one of John Wimber's colleagues, and they were very much into the healing ministry in those days, spoke of the first time they'd entered the healing ministry. He said there was a big meeting, we'd had the word, we'd had the scripture, we'd had the praise, and we opened it up for a time for people to come forward for prayer and healing. And we were praying that the first person to come forward would be someone with a sore throat. Immediately, someone in a wheelchair came forward. We realised that we'd put our faith on the line, and God responded. We do have to risk our reputation as people of God if we want to grow in faith. We need to stand out from the crowd, even possibly the crowd of fellow Christians, and be prepared to take a risk and while we wait in faith we continue to worship and to walk with God and to work for his kingdom but yes most of all we need to take risks what risks are you going to take for the Lord this week is yours a faith that pleases God where do you and I stand